0: Hey, guys, it's James, uh, long-time caller, first-time listener. Uh, I just wanted to tell Aaron that uh, Natalia and Nat- Natasha Romanova are the same person. They're the Black Widow, uh, the same Black Widow that's always been around. Um, and uh, there was an Uncanny X-Men comic way back when Jim Lee was drawing it that established that she was a kid in World War II, uh, so her being around in the 50s as a teenager would be legitimate if you assume the Marvel sliding timescale wasn't sliding back then. And then who knows why she still looks like a hot 30-something. Uh, I guess they just raise them right in Russia. Uh, I also wanted to say that uh, an episode of Funny Books uh, without uh, Aaron and Andrew is kind of like An issue of Justice League Without Batman or Superman So I will talk to you guys later Bye
1: Aaron. Paulie back on top. Woo. This is Wayne. This is Jake. Now, Paul, you're only in that position while Tim's out of town. Oh, that's you know? bull. So when, when he rolls back on to uh, Funny Books next week, uh, you know, you're know you back to uh,
2: second hind tit. That's all I'm
1: saying.
3: I, I don't think Tim will be back. I think I'm going to Cape Fear Tim. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, Paul, I think we can both agree that's one reason we like having Jake on, because Jake knows his place. He hasn't tried to hopscotch either one of us. <laughs>
4: I'm I, I'm the guest host. I mean, if you guys made me like a full time, I might. But you know, I, I I'm okay being being you know last tier for that that's okay jake's
1: your back of the bus boy i get look it at the, I look get at it. that subtle grab for a job <laughs> if you make
3: me permanent i might treat you better yeah but you know second.
1: jake can't handle this whole 8 a.m on a saturday morning thing no that's true you know
3: no. i need my beauty sleep <laughs> well considering <laughs> jake's artist and you know artists pretty much stay up till about three o'clock in the morning anyway
1: that's true when he's story. just getting going at three yeah true story
2: yeah i i bet he wouldn't abandon us like andrew did Dan. good point good fair point
3: hey before we before we continue we should probably introduce Jake for all our listeners who don't know who Jake is
4: who is Jake Eekus exactly <laughs> oh should I do this
0: Yes. You,
4: oh okay uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a comic book artist and I've done a lot of the art for y'all's site including the stuff for Knights of Reinsboro. Woohoo.
1: Uh, yeah and if you haven't seen uh, his uh, take on Honey Badger it's pretty damn awesome
4: yeah, you're going to be getting that uh, piece tonight, by the way, I'm bringing that up, so.
1: I am very excited about this.
4: That, that and the Storm piece, I think.
1: Yeah, I've been showing your Storm piece off, and uh, getting lots of uh, favorable responses there.
4: Dude, I got a lot of really uh, nice response from that on Tumblr, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, I a saw lot. that.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I've never seen so many people say say the, the phrase, like a boss, in, in what regards does that mean? to a single. <laughs> I, I, I I don't know, but I think it's good. Okay, <laughs> I, it, it didn't sound like a like a like a diss, so I'm like, okay, cool, sure. Wait,
1: well, and on. and for those of you who don't know, uh, uh, Jake drew a uh, picture of Storm with a mohawk, uh, enjoying a cigar and an adult beverage with Lockheed in the background. I'm I'm commissioning a, a series of similar themed. Pictures of superheroes sitting around having a cigar, enjoying a, a cocktail or something. And uh, Jake drew this, and it's just an
2: amazing picture. And I'll link it in the show notes. I say if anyone wants to see it, it's on his uh, blog, Jakeekis. Jake, yeah, Yeah, he's moved away from his GeoCities page.
4: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well i did just close down my my uh was it uh myspace like (laughs) a week ago because i realized i hadn't touched it in like two years i was like why do i even still have this
3: (laughs) uh, which actually brings me to a question yeah does anybody still use google plus
4: i do i do really Mm -hmm. yeah I, i i wish more people would use it but that it it it's it's looking just like sort of the hipster version of Facebook. Like there's yeah. there's there's just like maybe a quarter of the people who I would have on Facebook who are, have now switched over, but. Yeah,
2: yeah. I should use it more than I do, but I'm not really using Facebook right now either. I use the Huddles a lot more than I thought I would, though. The Huddles was a feature of Google Plus that's basically oh. a chat room right. where you pick a bunch of your contacts and it's a kind of an active, non-active chat where you can go back in later and
4: yeah. okay. have a subset yeah. of
2: people talking about a topic.
4: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I saw that. And I never really. None of my contacts were on at any of the right times to do that. So. I'm just saying, you know what
3: that sounds like. That sounds like a message board, and I don't know if you've heard, but ideologyofmadness.com has a message board. And I, you should definitely bring your conversations there. I don't it's think I've like been a, over.
1: I don't think I've been over to our message board since the last time Jake was over on MySpace.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I saying, it's not really like a message board, Paul, because like if you're using a uh, an Android phone like I am, you've got the app. The conversations can start at any point. I don't have to be online, and I'll get okay. the notification, and I can do the chatting there on my phone. Because I very rarely check anything on my PC. It's always on my phone. So especially with uh, with Google+, that's one of the reasons I like is I have an Android phone, and there's so many tie-ins there with the phone that it makes it very handy.
3: Sounds like you're going to be chatting about comic books while sitting in Starbucks drinking your latte. <laughs> I have to pull the Tim this week. Ah, uh, yeah. I, well, Tim, just... Tim would be ashamed of me. He would be ashamed of me. We usually are, Paul. I, I went to Panera Bread for lunch the other day because uh-huh. they had free Wi-Fi, and I uh-huh. was reading my comics at Panera Bread, yeah. eating a healthy sandwich with some apples.
1: Uh, okay, disappointed in you already. Go ahead.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, that that was pretty much it. Tim. Tim... <laughs> See, you're just disappointed. Tim Tim's going to go cut himself. Listen, I'll,
2: I'll say I'll take it one step further. I here in St. Louis, that's uh it's called St. Louis Bread Company. Same same company though. And okay. I go in all the time with my laptop and do writing off in a corner somewhere. So yeah, I I'll sit in the Bread Co with my my laptop there writing, typing. I never actually read in there though. But yeah, I I do the the hipster sit in the corner writing.
3: Join us, Aaron.
1: Oh, I do that at Starbucks all the time.
3: Oh, even Starbucks is even worse. <laughs> at least you can get food at Panera Bread.
1: You can get food at Starbucks. Yeah, but it's crap food. Well, okay. I, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but I can get my, my Venti sugar-free cinnamon dolce latte. All
4: right. We're moving on from this. <laughs> I, I don't know what any of those words mean.
1: <laughs> I, I remember when Starbucks first came to town, and I walked in the first day, and I'm like, yeah, I'd like a large coffee. And the lady goes, venti, and I said, a large coffee. Venti, I don't know what that word is, but what I would like <laughs> is a large coffee. <laughs> I
4: still
1: and, and, don't know and what and that now, word is,
4: and, and, and now venti it's just become 20. commonplace. Oh
1: God. <laughs> but yeah, means, I mean, she's saying it like it's a yeah. real word. I mean, that's what was bugging me. You know, it's like this should be in common parlance. Venti. <laughs> He, like you were the strange one. Exactly,
0: exactly. <laughs> uh,
3: you old fogies. Yeah. 20, 20 ounces.
1: Yeah, eat me, Paul. How about N-Y-I. that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, where I see. learned that from? The movie Role Models.
2: <laughs> see, I have never stepped foot in a Starbucks, so I would have no idea. You should do it sometime. They have coffee.
3: <laughs> Among and, but the but other things, like, apparently.
2: But I don't like and, coffee. And
1: free Wi-Fi. And biscotti.
2: I do like free Wi-Fi, and they've got pretty decent uh, butter croissants. You know. Ooh,
1: they do have good croissants.
2: Yeah, they do. But all I need for free Wi-Fi is to sit in the parking lot.
1: <laughs> you know, you know, you say that, but the range uh, outside is, is really limited. Because uh, last week I was waiting on my wife to get down to her appointment, and so I was like, "Well, I'll just go to the Starbucks, and I've got my iPad. I can, you know, I can Twitter, I can do whatever." And the inside of the Starbucks was packed. It was like the first cold day in North Texas. place was packed. And so I was like, well, I'll just sit out in the parking lot and, and hack their Wi-Fi. No, no. No, it
2: didn't extend beyond their uh, little curb area. Yeah, that it was the, the most control. painful thing while I was out of town over Thanksgiving. I had no internet connectivity. I was staying in a uh, resort slash condo, uh-huh. and they did have one building that had Wi-Fi, but the range wasn't anywhere near long enough to get to where we were at. So I... You know, I bring out my uh, my phone. Sarah brings out her uh, her Nook. We're doing scans. And we're picking up no wireless signal. There's like, no wireless signal? I haven't been somewhere where there's no wireless signal in years. <laughs> there's always something you pick up.
3: <laughs> Actually, I-, I do have to give you a hard time about that, Wayne. Because uh, Fear the Con? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- th- there was n- there was no wireless yeah. signal available at Fear well, the Con.
2: You know, I think that... The- I was able to pick one up. Well, I, really- I, was on- I was online and using it. Well, I think that they had
1: uh, one of those wireless connections where it has 10 ports available uh, and you know you, you had something like you know probably 80 people trying to access all at one time plus were you underground with you weren't underground with uh john and because I, I don't think i don't think their signal extended that far
3: no i was above ground
1: um, I, we were down in the basement you know where the murders
0: were happening
3: <laughs> all i could pick <laughs> up were uh, iphone you know people doing iphone uh yeah, yeah. but no I, I was not able to pick up actual wi-fi
2: yeah. yeah, my laptop was over by the door, and I was picking it up pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I could get the signal up in the lobby there, but I never could get in because it was all you know clogged up. Well, speaking of the internets, um, you know, last week on the show, I I, I complained vociferously about uh, how Amazon screwed me blue on uh, one of their lightning deals, and so I'd like to say after we released our episode, I had a uh, an inquiry from Amazon. For real? For real. I got a I got an email from Amazon this week saying, "Hey, sorry to hear about your problem. Here's a credit for you know for the discount. Feel free to go buy the product now." Wow. Yeah, and I was like, "Huh? How are <laughs> podcasting, my friends?" <laughs> <laughs>
3: and had you sent them an inquiry previously about uh-uh. it?
1: No, I sure hadn't. The only other thing that I had done is I bitched rather loud on Twitter. And so it may have yeah. come from the, from the Twitter feed, because I know that, that a lot of oh. the companies monitor that.
4: Oh, dude, Dude, bitching on Twitter is like the best thing in the world. Yeah. Because I was getting worried, because I'm doing that uh, the Image Comics Expo mm-hmm. out in Oakland. And I sent in my money like at the beginning of the week, because uh, we're getting an artist alley table there. And I hadn't gotten a confirmation. And I was like, well, you know, a couple of days, no worries. But we were at Friday, and I was getting a little concerned about it. And so I, I started... Whining on Twitter about it, and man, they were on top of that like nobody's business. Oh yeah, yeah. no, no, you're confirmed. You got a table. Well, here's the email. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, like man, you want you want to get stuff done, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: I, like I said, I got the email, got the got the uh, credit to my account. I now have a new laptop. Very excited about this.
3: Very nice. Yeah. Hmm. So I have a question for you guys. A dilemma, as it were. A dilemma. Uh, an off <laughs> a topic dilemma. Well. So, Jake, when is that Image Comics Expo? Uh,
4: f- end of February. February, like, 23rd, 24th, something like that. Okay. So, yeah. that's... You know, in
3: April is Boston Comic-Con. And I really want to go to Boston Comic-Con. I've always wanted to go to Boston. I've always wanted to go to Boston Comic-Con. Well,
1: oh, Boston is wicked awesome.
3: Wicked awesome, goddammit. it. God damn um, it. <laughs> <laughs> but... The same weekend, the very same weekend, there is a horror convention in Virginia Beach, you know, like thirty minutes away from where I live, um, called Blood on the Beach, and you know it, it has a bunch of like B grade and has-been actors, people like Michael Bean and Tiffany Shepps, and I'm Wait, like, what are you saying M-
4: Mike, Michael Bean, come on, man, yeah, I mean That's exactly harsh. like well no it's, I'm, I'm saying was I like this. He was. He was in. He was in. He was in all like all of James Cameron's good movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I, true. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're
3: going back a bit, though, aren't we? That's what <laughs> has been means. No, those are <laughs> <a> perennial favorites. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's, a, he's an antique. Um, <laughs> So my my question is do do I go meet Michael Bean, and 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 these actors in Virginia Beach that's so close, or do I miss the first horror convention in Virginia Beach to go all the way to Boston for Comic Con?
1: You know what you do, you go you suck it up and you go to Blood on the Beach and you walk directly to Michael Bean and you apologize, Paul.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, I would have said Comic Con until you just you know diss the guy. Now you
1: got to yeah. go apologize. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, what oh
3: you know who else is going to be there is um is it jason london who's the or the guy from Mallrats who turned into a drug addict he's going to be there too you're talking about the, jay no <laughs> not the other guy from mall rats who turned out to be a drug addict uh, not kevin smith the other other guy yeah. <laughs> i was about to say half of the people stan- in the movie
2: stan lee <laughs> the lead guy from oh August. that would explain so much if Stan Lee were on drug.
1: Oh, Jason, uh, uh, Jason
4: London, Jason no. London, Jason. No. Uh, God dang it!
1: He had a not, he had not, a TV show on uh, TBS not, not
4: Jason Lee. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Jason Lee, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's Jason
3: Lee. Be okay. great actors and has beens Don't don't go for Jason Lee. Well, no, he is kind of anyway. So I don't know. Is
1: Jason I, Lee I, a drug addict? No. What are you saying, Paul? I Man, he's who's a the drug addict? addict. <laughs> it no. Is it is it you, Paul? Are you the drug addict? I might be uh, okay. projecting. Okay, so, so so that we we make sure that and, and clear up uh, any possible you know libel suits. Who are you saying the drug addict is, Paul?
3: I am looking at my Mallrats DVD right now, and the dude's name is Jeremy London.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh.
3: Yes, yes, I'm saying he he, he he was a drug addict or is a drug
1: addict. Okay. That, send all inquiries to uh, Paul. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, Ideologyofvenice at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> I hate you, Paul. <laughs> so I just have
3: to support the one horror convention that's actually coming to Virginia Beach.
1: And you have to go and apologize directly to Michael Bean.
3: But he'll charge me for it. He'll say, Do you want to talk but, to you me? You know,
1: that is your penance, Paul. I yeah, have not. That is the money price money you pay. It for an autograph and to apologize and forgiveness (laughs) paul is what you're seeking forgiveness whatever all right
3: i'm i'm not convinced but we'll see
2: that is the price you pay literally
3: (laughs) (laughs) so So, did you guys see the new um the new john carter trailer this week
1: oh it looks so good Mm
3: -hmm. oh yeah it came out the other day i think it was on like good morning america or something and then they released it officially that night
4: I, uh, I don't think I've fuck. seen the official release. I think I've only seen the footage from Good Morning America, which was kind of crappy.
3: But... Oh, yeah, it was crappy. Compared to the actual full-length trailer, they actually edited about half of it out.
4: Really? Ooh, yeah. okay. I need to go see the full-length one. The
1: then. the airships okay. in the, in the uh, preview are
2: just amazing. I would go pay you know, to, to see the movie just to see the airships. See, I'm starting to feel like I'm the only one that's never read the stories these are based on.
4: I, yeah. I haven't read them, but I know enough about them sort of by cultural osmosis that I'm excited.
2: i had <laughs> never heard of john carter until i saw the first trailer in the in the theaters had no idea it was based on anything my wife and i are watching the trailer and afterwards we're like are the way they advertise that it's like we're supposed to know who this guy is but i've got no clue yeah
3: you are just saying because mm-hmm. at the beginning of the trailer don't they talk to like this guy named burroughs like edgar rice burroughs
4: well, Not th- the trailer I saw. I think that was, like, the first one. But, but okay. the, yeah, well, well, I mean, John Carter is kind of, like, he, he occupies the same, that same space as, like, Conan. So there's, there there's like, a generation of people who have that contextual knowledge, but it is still kind of, it's sort of to the left of, like, mainstream pop mm-hmm. culture, I,
1: I think. I would agree, yeah. You
4: yeah. know, I mean, it's there. There are definitely people who recognize it offhand, but, yeah.
1: Well, like, and if you're a, a 70s, you know, if you're a fan right. of seventies Marvel comics, you know, you've got the whole John Carter, warlord of Mars series right. that was done, uh, which is fantastic by the way. Um, and you're right. I mean, it, it, he, Edgar Rice Burroughs was a contemporary, I think of Robert E. Howard.
4: Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. right?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, the, a lot of Edgar Rice Burroughs stuff now is in the public domain and it's just terrific pulp action. Edgar Rice Burroughs also having, uh, created the Tarzan character. Um, it's fantastic stuff. I I I cannot wait for this movie. I have one complaint about the the trailer though. Okay. Not near enough Deja oh. Thoris.
4: I was I was just about to say I know exactly what you're <laughs> yeah, going to go with. Yeah, that. because I mean <laughs> I
1: expect a whole lot of skin, you know, uh, in, in a John Carter uh, film because from that's everybody.
4: What, yeah, yeah, uh, like, any, like, not just Deja Thoris. Like everybody is supposed to be practically naked in that film. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I just couldn't help but notice that she was covered up. Uh, I mean, you know, she she was really going shopping appropriate. Um, you know, you could have seen seen what she was wearing at the mall. I'm going to need a whole lot more skin. Just yeah. saying.
3: It, it, not that the, you know, dress like you were going to Wayne's movie theater with, uh, what is, with <laughs> the prostatops. prostatops. <laughs> yeah. uh, we no, go to that theater. <laughs> no, I, I am definitely looking forward to it. And for those who are not familiar with the character, I mean, it's. A lot of media has stolen ideas from John Carter. So that's why you'll see people saying, oh, it looks just like Avatar and Star Wars. It looks like a ripoff of those things. And really, those things are ripoffs of John Carter. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a similar story to Adam Strange. Guy from Earth transported to a foreign planet becomes the hero, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, I'm it, the, just the, the look of the film, special effects. It just I'm I'm definitely oh
2: yeah, it's got a great
1: to it. It's
2: you of, know, the funny thing was the very first trailer I saw. I'm like, are they trying to rip off Adam Strange?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you realize that's
3: right. Well, it's, at least you didn't say Avatar because that I we have some words. There was
4: you know,
2: nothing that, original about Avatar. That's true. No,
4: no, the, 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 no. What that reminds me of is like when I when I went to see uh, Equilibrium. Did you guys ever see that movie? Huh. Yeah. Okay, so when 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 when, see Equilibrium, when we were coming out of the theater, there's these guys behind us who were, who are like pissed about it, and they're like, "Man, that movie owes The Matrix a commission." And I'm like, "Okay, guys, first off, clearly you don't watch a lot of Asian cinema because there is nothing in The Matrix that wasn't done by like the Chinese and Japanese for the last twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it looks it looks slicker in this movie, but come on,
2: it looked <laughs> like any John Woo movie."
4: Yeah, exactly. A, a really well-polished John Woo movie, but yeah. you know.
3: Yeah, but John Woo movies don't look like John Woo movies anymore.
4: No.
1: Yeah, but John Woo movies didn't have Ted in it. No, Ted. You, you got Keanu. <laughs> You know, from his excellent adventure.
3: Got it. Fresh from his, <laughs> fresh from his excellent adventure and his bogus journey. <laughs> in the Matrix.
2: Matrix was one of those movies that really God. snuck up on me. I never saw a preview for it when it was in theaters. Knew nothing about it. Rented it, having no clue what the movie was, and just was completely blown away. Loved it. Matrix is another one of those movies that didn't
1: need a sequel. Yeah, and they yeah. should have just left it alone cuz you know, it's it's like Highlander, a movie that that I cherished and loved until the sequel came out and now it's hard for me to to watch it because you know, you have The Quickening and The Final Dimension and whatever else crap Highlander movies have come out since.
4: There's um, four more. God, there's end, so, yeah,
3: yeah, there's Endgame and The Source.
1: Yeah. yeah. All uh, of which are, are cut each one th- th- Gradually
2: gets, it gets worse, worse than the previous. <laughs> I don't and, and, know. and the thing
4: is, after Endgame, you would think that there was just no way it could get any yeah. worse. And then The Source came out. Oh my God. That film <laughs> is so awful.
1: And you know, what's sad is that, you know, you, you go back to the to, to the well, you know, and you're like, okay, well, maybe this one will be okay. Because, you know, you loved yeah. the first one so hard and it's yeah. just not a single one of those is worth watching
2: and uh, what's really sad is we all gave the time to those movies I know. it sounds like all of us saw them absolutely
1: absolutely but i'll never forget watching it watching the quickening in the theater yep and you know meanwhile back on Zeist, are you fucking kidding me <laughs> <laughs> oh god
4: paul didn't you buy that that T fury shirt I you? did
3: buy the t-, t Fury the other day. Had I a, wish I could have. I, 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 I couldn't.
4: I couldn't drop the cash on it, but man, I wanted it.
3: <laughs> oh, I had to. I had to. And you know, now I'm going to be ashamed because now
4: that we've had this conversation about how <laughs> embarrassing it is, like. <laughs> Highlander. no, 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 uh, it's, no, no, no. It's, it's a out. T-shirt. that's very specifically a reference to the first movie, and there's nothing embarrassing about that movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> loving that movie is totally okay, and anybody who says otherwise. Rah. Well, you know, I'm not.
1: I'm not really a big fan of movie remakes, but I really think that Highlander would benefit from one.
3: You know, they've been talking about one for years.
1: Well, uh, you know, first you, you hire someone who's an actual Scotsman to play the role of Conor McCloud. Know, and as, maybe
4: an
3: actual Spaniard. For
4: yeah, an, an actual, actual Spaniard. I love the explanation Blasphemy. for that. I love it when, they're, when they're the movie says, like, you talk funny, Nash, where you from lots of different places. I, like for me, that line just covered it all up yeah. for me.
1: <laughs> but, you know, the, the biggest problem in that movie is that they resolve the story. And so you yep. really can't have any sequels. You know. You can't you can't continue the story forward because they've resolved the story.
3: Well, apparently not, Aaron. Apparently there were four movies left of unresolved stories. Four
4: movies and, and what, like a five-year-long series? <laughs> oh, plus a spinoff to that series. Yeah. Of Ooh, oh, and, Why'd you have to mention that one? Dude.
1: You know, the, the thing about the, the, the
2: regular Highlander series is that after the first season, there were some good shows.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah,
2: I was you know. cool with the I was cool with the T V show because I saw it as a separate universe until they brought it to the movies and tied them in together yeah. as one big universe. Yeah. <sighs>
1: <laughs> okay, let's cleanse our palate, guys. Yeah.
2: Free comic book day two
1: thousand twelve.
3: Yes, this week big announcement of the gold sponsors. Um those are pretty much the the ones that are going to be in every comic shop, the biggest ones. Um for free comic book day two thousand twelve and biggest shocker. Aaron, I'll let you take this one.
1: Uh, It's pretty wild. Uh, Arkea, the the folks that bring you uh, Mouse Guard and Raggle Rock, uh, Labyrinth, and and all that kind of fun stuff, are going to, for the first time ever in the history of Free Comic Book Day, release a free hardcover, hardcover graphic novel. Yeah for free 48 is, pages i think is it, yeah. is it
4: is it all new material or do we know? all
1: new material oh that's sweet yeah and you know each each story is like 12 to 14 pages
2: and uh all new content i've loved what they've been doing every year with the mouse guard stuff they've been releasing yeah. but this is above and beyond to the point that i'm actually gonna have to wake up early and get to my shop because i'm afraid this thing's gonna go quickly
1: well yeah. you know the 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 idea is that you know the folks at RK are saying that they really feel like you know, hardcover hard. I don't know. I'm. Having, I think I'm having a stroke. Uh, is That toast <laughs> is someone making toast. Um, <laughs> the the original hardcover graphic novel is the way the market is going, according to the folks at Arcade really? and and they feel like, you know, that if they can get that into people's hands on Free Comic Book Day, they'll have a
2: better understanding of that experience. <laughs> That's to kind of cost them a lot of money to do, though. I mean, well, these companies already lose money on free comic book well, day, as it as, is.
4: As I, as I recall, they've shifted a lot of their production towards the hardcovers anyway. Right, because, yeah. like, for for all their trades, aren't they aren't they like leaning really hard like into really not doing soft cover trades, but just the hardcovers?
3: Yeah. That yeah. And yeah. yeah. it's kind of leaning away from doing floppies in general. I think, other than Mouse Guard, mm-hmm. they don't release much in the way of floppies.
4: Well, and yeah. I think they're. I think to to an interesting degree, there. I think I think definitely the market has moved towards trades. I don't know about hardcovers.
1: Yeah, like, I, I don't buy
2: think- hardcovers unless I absolutely can't get the trade. I'd rather not do a hardcover. Oh, yeah, I'd, hard hard I'd rather have the hardcover. I'd rather have the hardcover. Same here. I'd rather, if, if if I can get it in a hardcover at a reasonable price, I'll definitely go for the hardcover. The price is the big thing, though. It's always yeah. a lot more for the hardcover. Yeah, I mean, was- that mm-hmm. Mouse go. Guard's one of those books that I just don't buy on the floppies. I only get it in trade, and I'd rather I'd rather have it in a you know, a regular trade versus uh, hardcover. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now I got I, I, for original graphic novels. In fact, uh, Hellboy released one a couple of weeks ago, like House of the Living Dead or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: it was the original Richard original Corbin graphic, book.
3: The Richard Corbin book yeah. hardcover. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Awesome. I love. I love that idea. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's kind of sad because you know, Arkea has this big announcement. Conversely. Did you guys see what Marvel is releasing for Free Comic Book Day?
2: I did not. Uh Avengers 12.1.
3: Avengers 12.1. Keep in mind, Avengers 12.1 came out uh, seven months ago, because Avengers 19 (laughs) just came out. Yeah. And this is coming out in five months from now, or six months from now. So So it'll be
4: a year-old comic. A
3: year-old reprint comic is is what Marvel's putting out for Free Comic Book Day. And, And that's sad, because 2011, they had the oversized original dance slot. yeah Berto ramos spider, spider island.
1: island yeah it was it was a it was a pre
2: to spider island wasn't it
3: yeah i think so yeah uh, yeah it well, was when it was trained by shang chi yeah
2: yeah in fairness in fairness marvels only announced one title so far and they always do multiple titles and it does seem to be some of them are reprints and at least one story is brand new they may just not have the brand new story yet because it's not close enough to time
3: yeah, but last year, see the thing last year is they had two new books. They had that one, and then they had the Captain America Iron Man book by the or Captain America Thor book by yeah, it was, the, the Mighty mm, Avenger And that folks. was yeah.
1: great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like um, first Somni book it was fantastic.
3: And usually the first the first one announced is the big one because right. you know that's yeah like and I mean it's kind of sad DC announced <laughs> a, like a new fifty two spotlight book. I'm like. New fifty two spotlight. It won't be new fifty two <laughs> in May. It won't be the new fifty two. Oh,
1: come on, Paul. It's like the radio stations. You know, it's been a new mix for twelve years. <laughs> it's sad that looking it at the
2: didn't. it's sad that looking at the list of stuff coming out. The thing I'm most excited about, besides Mouse Guard, of course, is Transformers. <laughs> That's just because nothing on the list is any good. Yeah, well, some
3: of the silver the silver ones haven't been announced yet. And I think there's like thirty five silver. Yeah. Um books. I mean most of them are most of the gold ones are reprints though. Even Archie is putting out a reprint of Mega Man number one, and Mega Man I think is like on issue eight.
1: Well, I think that speaks to a whole lot of the economy of the business right now, too. Yeah. I mean, but- not that Marvel can't afford to do a new book. I mean, come on. You know, but they're looking to see that Avengers is coming out this summer and they've got yeah. an Avengers title. And you know that twelve point one took place pretty far in the future. So that may be uh that may be tying into their current continuity by the time summer rolls around.
3: Yeah, it's supposed to lead into the the big Ultron
1: crossover next right. year that they've been teasing for several months.
3: So I mean, I get that they feel it's a recommended reading so they want to re-release it, but I would release that as the second tier book. Yeah. But I mean, I guess the second tier book is usually their all ages title. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm very disappointed so far, but I mean the Arkea thing blows anything else out of the water.
1: Well, and yeah. you've got to have some huge balls to make that move in Free Comic Book Day, and, and particularly when you think that Arkea is such a small company. I mean they, I was reading an article about it, and you know they've really leveraged the production costs mm-hmm. such that it is no more cost to the retailer than uh, the, the regular floppy book would have been.
4: Wow. I mean, I that's, think that's amazing.
1: That's yeah, I mean, uh, that is amazing. And you know, hopefully it's a game changer. You know, yeah. hopefully we we get to see some stuff. We're seeing all kinds of creative stuff happening in the comics market right now that I just think it's awfully exciting, you know. Between digital, this move, you know, I just think there's a, there's a lot going on.
4: Well, I think it's finally, like, like the comic market at large, it, like, we're seeing the beginnings of the, the change that probably should have happened about four years ago. Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
4: And and, and everybody, and really, I think DC was is, is, I think we can point to, is the one to really kind of snap everyone awake about it, because yeah. they're the first, of the big two, they're the first one to actually, you know, make some some pretty um aggressive business moves Mm -hmm. yeah all of which i mean regardless of what you think about the content of the new 52 stuff all the business acumen they've been using in it has been really good yeah Um, i think
3: dc kind of blew everyone's minds because for years i mean pretty much since i've been reading comics i've always thought of dc as kind of the the veteran like marvel's the hip cool young company dc's got superman and batman and older characters and you know they're classic it's like comparing disney to like you know (laughs) <laughs> it's
1: it's microsoft versus
3: apple yeah. exactly yeah. and you know and it, it it would be like microsoft essentially saying you know what fuck it we're not going to do any more windows we're going to do something else instead right you know from now on we're going to we're going to redo dos dos 1.0 woo oh, yeah.
2: yeah but if you were going to look at the two companies and say one of them was going to do a reboot it would it would be dc because they have the track record of doing that and even when it comes to the digital stuff marvel was already doing that with the ultimate line they just didn't have the press behind them, or the—I guess—the business sense to push that they were doing same-day digital. But they've, they've been doing that with their ultimate stuff all along.
4: But they've been doing it. The other thing is, like doing line-wide—that's the big—and yeah. and the price drop four months after to make the digital even more appealing to like right. the new lay audience. Like, and and the, the only thing that's been a misstep really with DC is that the the content hasn't been as aimed at new readers as the business choices have, because the business choices are awesome for actually getting new people to read comics. It's just that their content hasn't quite matched it. And if the content matched it, they would have done even better.
2: I'm very curious to hear what the digital numbers are like, too, because I know the digital isn't coming anywhere near close to their physical. They're not doing what they thought they would do digital. But I know more people are buying digital than were before. You know, I've bought two or three digital books because they were sold out in the store, and I would have never bought a digital book before from them, just because I prefer to read physical. I don't like reading on digital, unless I have to.
3: Um, What I would say, let's check it in January, because up till now, the only really, the only digital reader that you know wasn't kind of like a generic knockoff, right, was the iPad. Yes, you had the BlackBerry Playbook, and you had some other ones, but they weren't quite as popular as the iPad. Right. But now you've got affordably priced Kindle Fires and Nook tablets. you know. And after the Christmas season, I bet you will see a skyrocketing in, uh, in digital comic sales, especially because Marvel has the Comics app on Nook and DC has their app on um, Kindle.
4: Well, yeah, they've, was- and they've already made uh, – l- 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 what I think that, that, that the DC did do is it, is it pushed a lot of those people who were kind of riding the edge of maybe going into some digital is now those people are actually making digital purchases. Now, granted, that's from like the current pool they already had of people going into comic shops, but – once those people have switched over, they can much easier get new readers from like the lay audience by saying, "Hey, look, you'll like comics. We can give it to your iPad. You know, you don't have to go into this crazy comic shop that look, you know, may have the guy from The Simpsons on, you know, behind the counter."
2: Yeah, so. I think the biggest misstep so far, and it's not on DC's part. I don't know if it was on uh, Barnes and Noble or on Comixology's part, but the the Nook Color didn't have the Comixology app unless you uh, unless you rooted the thing you couldn't get comicsology on there you could probably go through the web page and view it that way but it didn't have the app like the regular android does that was a huge mistake in my eyes cuz that was one of you know that was a very fast selling you know reader it it should have had that app yeah. and it's android based so i mean it can run the app
3: so two things i learned about comicsology this week one, Marvel doesn't drop the price on their books four weeks after like DC mm-hmm. does, right,
1: which right. pisses me off
3: because I was trying to buy back issues of Wolverine, and they were still three ninety nine.
1: Bad news because Marvel is out to fuck you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, two, if there's a sale on Comixology, at least on the Kindle app, it's not on the, the homepage of the Kindle app. So like when Kindle had their, I mean when Comixology had like their ninety nine cent Star Trek sale, uh-huh. I had to buy all of it from my PC which then added it to my queue and I could download it on my Kindle, but I couldn't buy them on my Kindle at that price.
1: Now here, I got a question for you because, you know, uh, Comixology advertised their, you know, Black Friday after Thanksgiving sale. And so, you know, on my iPad, I went in to the Comixology app and I picked up the the Star Trek 99 cent sale and a couple of other things that they had at 99 cents. But I never saw a banner because I I went on my PC because I never saw a banner that said Black Friday sale.
3: Yeah, same here. I think the banner that they still have on the homepage of, at least on the Kindle Fire, is Fantastic Four number six hundred. Yeah, the main banner art.
1: Yeah, because I was like, is is there was there an actual Black Friday page, and I never found one.
3: There is if you look at it on the PC.
1: So, I, I didn't mean, see it on my
3: PC. I, really? Yeah, I saw them on the the, the they, they, had, they had like little banners. I think they had a Blackest Night. Like all the Blackest Night books for 99 cents. Okay,
1: so, but I, so I saw those. I saw individual titles on sale, but what I never saw was something that said, here's all of our Black Friday deals.
3: No, they didn't have anything like that.
1: And that's what I think they they goofed up on. Yeah. There should have been something more clearly saying, hey, here if you're looking for 99-cent books, bam, here they are over here.
3: So obviously we still have some steam left in us about this conversation. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) we'll probably be talking about it every week for the next year anyway. We should probably move on and talk about something important
1: like food. Well, you know, uh, Ron Mars in his uh, Shelf Life column this week talked about, you know, if you were going to have four comic creators over for dinner, living or dead, who would they be? Anyway, you know, he said that uh, uh, you know he would have over Jack Kirby, Frank Frazetta, Will Eisner, and Alan Moore. And you know, I just imagine that Alan Moore has horrible table manners. <laughs> you know, don't you imagine that he just doesn't even eat with utensils? He's just in there with his hands and bobbing like a duck. It's all Dude, like getting all in the beard. A, it's all anything. up in the beard, just and you know, just stuff all up in the beard from meals long ago.
3: Well, and I can imagine he would sit around there saying, what is, why am I here? I don't have anything to do with comics anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to associate with comic book people. Yeah. <laughs> I would imagine that's how dinner with Alan Moore would be.
1: I would think that dinner with Jack Kirby, Frank Frazetta, and Will Eisner would be great. But Alan Moore, come on.
3: Well, I think he threw him as the wild
1: card.
4: Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, like he he's like the guy who, you, who who will get get drunk and make the conversation interesting because he's just too wild. It'd it'd be fun. Well, you know, knowing
1: uh, Jack Kirby as I do through some of his writing and uh, the writing of others, I think that by the end of that meal, Jack Kirby has put his cigar out and Alan Morn's eye.
2: (laughs) 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 That's that's how I think that plays out. Maybe I should change who my four would be then. 'Cause that sounds like an interesting dinner.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Are you ever, like the, was it was it the Jack Kirby thing about the, the like the white supremacists and he was like gonna go down there and fight them or something? Uh-huh, yeah. Isn't that him? Yeah, yeah. he was a scrapper. That you. sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm gonna go kick those guys' asses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chomping a cigar, going down the
2: street with his big old Popeye arms, you
1: know. <laughs> I like it. So Wayne, who would your four be?
2: Uh, Mark Wade, John Byrne, Dan Jergens, and Robert Kirkman. John Byrne.
3: Yep. Robert Kirkman. Ugh, that guy's boring.
2: I would <laughs> I would love to have a dinnertime conversation about the, the John Byrne Superman, the rebooting of it, all of that, what that was like. And I'd love to have that conversation with Dan Jurgens there because I've heard in interviews some of his uh, his comments about what Byrne was like back then.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I'd love to see the two of them there get Mark Wade in on that conversation and see Robert Kirkman looking kind of awkward there.
4: <laughs> Robert Kirkman just kind of sitting there. I, I, I made a comic too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> a little TV <laughs> show called The Walking Dead. Um, yeah, we've I mean, heard I'm, of it. You know, <laughs> one of the most popular independent comics ever made. Well, you know the great thing about <laughs> having,
1: having uh, Robert Kirkman there is he'd probably pick up the check.
4: You know, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. He's got some true of that AMC money going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that would be the that would be that, you know, they're all arguing about how, how, how amazing their runs on Superman were. And then <laughs> Kirkman's just like, yeah, that's cool. I, I, I got this guy. <laughs> that's <laughs> the ultimate one upsmanship there. It's like, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm not just amazing in comics. I'm also kind of a big deal in Hollywood.
2: That's now. right. My hero's <laughs> invincible too. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> how about you, Jake?
4: Oh, um, I think uh, Mobius would be on the list. Oh yeah, uh, Alex he Toth. St- hey, is is Mobius still kicking? I, I believe he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. He just had an art exhibit, I think, overseas. Actually.
4: Uh, yeah, I think I heard about that. Yeah, he's still kicking. I I I, I don't know how much kicking he's doing these days, but yeah,
1: no, he's okay. still there. Okay. Okay. So uh, Mobius, Alex Toth.
4: Alex Toth. Um, I wouldn't do Kirkman because I've I've. I've seen enough interviews with him i don't
0: (laughs) even fuck that guy
4: oh i love his stuff i just like i I don't feel like there's anything i would want to like Ooh, give me your info
1: no no the the quote of the show jake ikas on robert kirkman fuck that (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: um oh gosh i need two more huh yeah uh you you know what i do cockram Dave cockram oh yeah yeah Yeah. and I need a wild card in there. You know what? Fuck it. We'll, we'll put Kirkman in there, actually. All why right. not? <laughs> he makes it back in. All right. Uh, so he uh, can look awkward in that conversation, too. <laughs> That's right. And by dinner. Yeah, and by dinner. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: well, what, what kind
1: of? What do you think Alex Toth is going to bring to the table? What's, what's he going to be talking about?
4: Well, okay. So, So why I would like to have him there is for him to talk about, like, you know, Art and storytelling and things like that because he was amazing. But I've also heard enough other stories about his personal life. He would also bring the crazy. So true. Thumbs up for that. Yeah, Paul. So
3: unfortunately, I know my choices are going to be very similar to yours, Aaron. Oh, okay. So I'm I, I'm going to try. To, I'm going to give my real list and then I'm going to give a revised list. <laughs> <laughs> because my real list would be Ron Mars, Matt Sturgis, Daryl Gregory. Um. Oh wait, four. Okay. <laughs> Ron Mars, Matt Surgis, Daryl Gregory, and Kieran Gillen. Yeah, that's a good that's a good table. Um, but if that's really similar to yours, some of those would be interchangeable. I would love to have Eric Larson. Oh yeah, oh, that's um, yeah. I think that I think out of all the image, the original image creators, he's the one I'm most interested in talking to. Yeah, he is the, exactly the same sure. here. Yeah, um, Jay Michael Straczynski. I think he'd be interesting.
1: Well, um, but when he finished dinner. I don't know.
4: Aww. No, 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 no. The question is not whether or not he would finish dinner. It's whether or not the waiter would interrupt him halfway through his meal and tell him that he needed to, to eat something separate.
1: <laughs> you need to eat at that table over there.
4: <laughs> he was like, I'm I'm sorry. I know you're enjoying this meal, and, and and clearly you're doing well with it. But actually, we need you over at this table to finish this meal. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, that is exactly how that would play out. I,
4: I would imagine that would that would be go, oh,
1: yeah, not
3: so well. <laughs> or, or, or Mike Mignola.
1: You know, not oh, that.
2: Yeah. Now I'm thinking yeah. Straczynski might have had a good roundout for mine instead of Kirkman. So you have the three, you know, the three epic runs on Superman, and then you've got Straczynski.
0: <laughs>
3: there you go. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to limit it to just four. But if I were to do a series.
2: <laughs> a series. Okay. A series
3: of dinner for fives. Um, I, I would definitely have, you know, guys like the ones I mentioned, because I, I am dying to to talk to Eric Larson one day. The guy just seems very interesting.
2: Oh, if I did a second dinner, forget four people. I would just have Raven Gregory and Neil Gaiman sitting there.
1: Well, I uh, Paul's absolutely right. He, his and ours are his and mine are, are very similar. I would have uh, Peter David, Daryl Gregory, Matt Sturgis, and Ron Mars, and you know, uh, and it's all because I've talked to every single one of those guys, and I I, I enjoy talking to them. I, now we've never interviewed Peter David for the show, not for lack of trying, but Peter, uh, <laughs> I've I've had uh, several conversations with Peter David, and I I just find him to be fascinating. You know, and he's just got such a unique perspective on uh, on the business um, and then you know we we have interviewed you know Daryl Matt and and Ron Matt and Ron uh, a couple of times and uh, I just always enjoy talking to those guys so I think they would be pleasant dinner conversation and I think we would all enjoy listening to Daryl Gregory speak in a British accent could you pass the rolls
3: <laughs> <laughs> and, and Daryl and and Matt have both said they'd be willing to do it one day just That's saying. Right.
1: Yeah, uh, Daryl <laughs> even offered to bring the chicken wings, and uh,
2: Matt requires that there be fried pickles on the table.
3: Well, <laughs> then yeah. we're going to TGI Fridays or something. <laughs> yeah.
2: Another guy I would love to talk to, not even for his comic book work, was Roger Stern. Yeah. The, uh, the Death and Life of Superman novel is one of the things that really cemented my love of Superman as a character. Mm-hmm. And from what I've been hearing on uh, other podcasts, what? It, what? <laughs> it was the introduction to comics for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in uh, back in high school, I did a book report on this thing. And this was the we were supposed to do book reports that were like 20 pages long or so. And mine really was a 20 page long report on the death and life of Superman going into, you know, there were character profiles in there. It was it covered the whole story. And it was good enough that at the end of the uh, at the end of the report, my teacher kept a copy to show future classes as an example of how to write these book reports. So you still got that? We can uh, link that in the show notes. Yeah, I, I wish I had a copy of that. So, <laughs>
3: so what, well, I, and you know what? What's funny? All four of us mentioned kind of veteran comic creators. If you think about it, none of us really did anyone, you know, that super new or young on the scene.
4: See, see, I was trying to keep with people who I who I hadn't actually talked to because if it was people who like like current comic creators, I know exactly who it would be. But they were people who I actually talked to on a semi-regular basis. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it would be like like if it were that, it would be like you know Cully Hamner, Brian Stelfreeze, and you know some of the other Gaijin alums and whatnot. <laughs> but those are people who I actually have conversations with outside of.
3: You know, did, did, did someone bro. just hear Jake Eekus say that he talks to Cully Hamner on a regular basis? Semi-regular.
4: Yeah. Semi-regular. Yeah. Why yeah, isn't Cully I... here on the, the mics with us right now? Dude, <laughs> did you know, see? He and I had a whole conversation about y'all's podcast, like on Twitter the other day. You, what? You, you, did you miss that? <laughs> I don't follow Cully. Or you. Yeah. Oh, you should. Oh, you? Well, to, to be fair, maybe you shouldn't because he, I, I think it was you. He was kind of irritated because he was, I think it was you who said he was going to wait for the trade. And he was like, dude, we may not get a trade unless you're buying the book. Oh, my God. He put, yeah. I saw that tweet. That was because of me? That was you. Oh, shit. You didn't know that? Oh, yeah. No, he and I were talking about that. Uh, there was a whole article about that on cbr about- dude, I, try, I tried i uh, tried like i I, and I went to bat for you too i was like i was i was like well the dude i mean i was like to be fair he bought all of the 52 he's trying to do some cuts he's like i know but come on man it's like i uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, i felt so bad because like i know kelly and i'm like uh it's
3: true but ah uh. <laughs> what's funny is i read that there was an article about and I don't remember where it was. Maybe it was Bleeding Cool or, yeah. or VR, where they took that tweet and they Did said, they? "Yeah, they're, they're like but the shade may not last twelve issues." I'm like, "Oh my god, I feel like shit." And I went to my comic store and I bought fucking Shade number two. I will tell uh. Cully that. I will tell <laughs>
1: him that. <laughs> that he shamed you into buying yeah. issue Well,
4: too. well okay, and, and to be fair, I think Tony Harris got on like right after that and was like, "No, we're fine." But but like, and, and, and to be and with that, I think it's because cully has been on some books that were like that did toe that line before. Mm -hmm. And so he definitely has that experience more than, than, you know, certain other books and for, and for a book like shade, because it's not, you know, it's not Superman or Batman. Like it isn't just assumed it'll get a trade, you know? Oops. (laughs) Oops. No, I I assumed you knew that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I Scott quicker. and I we went down. We visited Gaijin Studios when they were they still had a place in Atlanta. Like mm-hmm. me and a few other dudes from the studio, we went and hung with them for like a weekend, and it was awesome. Those guys are totally awesome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Paul, well, your lessons here, pop
4: creators. I would love to have.
3: I would love to have dinner with like Scott Snyder, the dude who writes Batman. Mm. And Jonathan Jake doesn't know him. <laughs> yeah, <obviously. laughs> I don't know him. No. And, and Scott Snyder because they both seem smarter than me.
1: Oh, Paul, if we're going to, if you're going to need like a banquet sized table for all the people that are smarter than you. Yeah, no joke. I mean,
3: Gregory's going to be there and Jake kiss
1: <laughs> and Paul's serving rum.
3: Yeah. Only rum. Only rum. Hey, Ron Mars likes rum too. So I'm set. <laughs> But anyway, after that embarrassing moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think what, what have we got? We've got uh, two, three new release books that we're talking about this week.
3: I, well, only one that actually came out this week.
1: OK, so, you know, we've got <laughs> a, 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 an embarrassing amount of uh, uh, an embarrassing few comics that came out this week. And that's all because this was a five week month. And you know, I think back to the days uh, back in the '90s when, on five-week months, they would release a special Superman book. You know, that only came out you know four times a year. You know, when you had those five-week months. And so, you know, they don't do that anymore. Um, So the question comes down to: What would you release on a five-week?
2: Nothing.
0: <laughs> you know, I That's honestly, what did.
2: as you know, as much as you know, we we talked about how there's not much that was out this week for us. Mm-hmm. That was really a relief. I mean, they've been raping us in the wallet for a while now, mm-hmm. to the point that it was nice having a small week for a change. You know, I think that we do need these small weeks versus the large weeks. Sometimes, I think Marvel and DC should be looking at what each other's publishing and try to you know, have more of their stuff come out on weeks that the other company isn't mm-hmm. because people have more money to buy their books. That's something they should be taking into account instead of trying to necessarily go head you know, head to head. Well I think uh, it's hard I, it's, it's hard on the retailer though. You know I think the the fifth week would be a great week for some of the smaller companies. The other uh, guys that don't have the the following of Marvel and DC, put out your top books in the fifth week because people aren't buying the Marvel and DC stuff. This is your chance get their money
1: well you know i, I know going to my uh, comic book shop this week he uh, he put on a big sale he was having a 40 percent off sale just to you know get folks in the shop because i think a lot of folks particularly who have pools were of the mind that i'll just go next week when there's more stuff you know and and, and you've got to have that cash flow every week uh, you know in order to pay your bills um
2: i it's, it's hard it's kind of like waiting for the trade it hurts people in the long run Paul,
3: <laughs> damn it! All right, so, well, okay. So since we're talking about trades, here's what I would do with a five week. Because DC obviously has it set in stone that they want to do this. You know, they have they they plan for a four week month period, and you know what? I'm okay with that. On the on the five week, what I would do is I would re- release an original graphic novel. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to release any of your main DC universe titles, the five week would be perfect for. You know the second volume of Superman Earth One, or you know even Batman Earth One when that comes out, I think those would be perfect release times because you're essentially you're getting five comics worth of you know um, profits, I guess, because you know the the comic costs more. Right. I, I you, you know, know I, I think that's like it, that a great help.
2: point, Paul. I mean, and some of those books are things that. You know, people that don't necessarily buy the weekly comics are going to pick up anyway. Right. So it doesn't really matter when it comes out for them. You're just helping yourself out sales-wise with the guys that are buying the weekly stuff.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I think here's the thing. My my retailer, on average, may order, you know, for like let's say Superman Earth 1. Superman Earth 1 was a big trade paperback, you know, a a big graphic novel release. I'm not sure if he ordered like 20 of them, maybe 30 of them. I mean, and that's that's a big one. That's an out of the ordinary one. Most graphic novels, I think, retailers order like three to five. Right. On a buy week where they don't have to buy all the other comics that they have to for that week, they might buy double or triple the amount because people would be more apt to come in and buy that if it's a big release. I mean, I, I think. I mean, since we're talking only four times a year, you can have four original graphic novels a year to release on those bye
1: weeks. That's a great idea. That's my idea. No, I think it's a really good idea, Paul. You know, when you, when you nice. think that you're going to free up a whole lot, a whole lot more dollars uh, on those on those five weeks. So,
3: yeah, and, yeah. and since it's a mm-hmm. new release and it's the only release of the week,
0: mm-hmm.
3: I think people would be less apt to buy it off of Amazon or other re- or other sources like that because it's just like going and picking up the new floppy. You know, yes. this is you only hey, I'm not buying any comics this week. Let me go buy the, that one book from my retailer.
1: Well, and you know the, the thing that you get the opportunity to do at your comic shop that you don't get from Amazon or you know in stock trades or what have you is to, the ability to flip through it. You know, like for instance, the, the uh Superman Earth One book has got a beautiful trade dress to it. It's a nice book to handle. You know, uh, it, it is it is tactically a very satisfying book. You know,
3: well, and and you know I think retailers and bookstores and comic companies in general handle graphic novels as books as like an actual book right instead of treating them like you would a floppy and advertising them like you would a big deal floppy issue Mm -hmm. you know you put the media announcements in you do all that stuff and you get those people coming into the comic shop for an original graphic novel because it's not superman number 600 or or amazing spider-man number 685 it is an original graphic novel that you can come in even if you don't read comics and buy it
1: as a book well, you know, I, I had an idea similar, but your idea is better. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I was thinking about those guys who who can't support a monthly book, who can't get their, who can't meet their deadlines. And so, why not have those guys doing something quarterly? You know, maybe it's a larger book. You know, it's something that might be have a four ninety nine price point to it, and they deliver those books on those five weeks. You know, I'm thinking about guys like Jim Lee. You know. Who we've seen on, on Justice League over three issues where his artwork is suffering, you know, because of of the quick turnaround on that. Um, you know, he's somebody who draws beautifully, but he needs a little bit more lead time. Uh you know, I I I think I'd like to see something like that. So let somebody create a nice big body of work, you know, o- Olivia Copiel, you know, would be somebody else. You know, and let him do the bigger piece and drop it, you know, once
2: quarter.
3: And, 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 and that could even fit in with my idea. I mean, if Olivier Copiel can't get a book out on time regularly,
0: mm-hmm.
3: or Jim Chung, the guy who does uh, Avengers Children's Crusade. Yeah. You know, those are superstar artists. Mm-hmm. If you can only get their art once a year in this original graphic novel, you are going to buy that graphic novel.
2: Sure. You know, that is a brilliant idea. And that should be how Kevin Smith does work. He only releases a book on leap years. <laughs> Maybe then he'd get it out on time. No, probably not. Probably not.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I guess we should probably talk about this week's kind of, uh, minuscule selection titles, but we did, we did, uh, talk, we do have some, some other titles that we wanted to chat about since we have Jake Ekus on the mics, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But, um, last week, I think it was, maybe it was two weeks ago. No, it was last week. Wolverine and the X-Men number two came out. Uh, Jason Aaron, Chris Bocolo. And I read the first issue. I didn't really care for the first issue of Wolverine and the X-Men number two. But I read a spoiler online, so spoiler warnings on, that Iceman kissed Kitty Pride in the pages of Wolverine and the X-Men number two. So I'm like, let me give it a shot. The first issue didn't blow my mind. Let me try the second issue. Second issue was freaking wonderful. I absolutely loved the second issue of this book. Um, I, I kind of feel like the, it should have been the first issue. Honestly, or maybe they should have combined them into one double-sized issue because, I mean, the, it was just a fantastic book. Jason Aaron at the top of his game, probably one of the best X-Men books I've read in years. And, you know, I've enjoyed periodic X-Men books here and there. I loved this book. Um, the art is, is going to be tricky for some people because I know not everyone's a fan of Chris Boccolo. But just the Jason Aaron stuff is just really, really well done. And I actually really recommend checking it out. I know Wayne, you were kind of on the fence about it because of the you were interested in the kiss. Yeah, totally worth the price of admission. Just a, Did a, a anything happened book.
2: in the first issue that you would need to know for the second issue?
3: Um, I think you can get it from the wrap up page at the beginning of the issue. Um, it, it they do tie together. It is one flowing story. because um, it does introduce the new Hellfire Club in the first issue, and they're the ones who are causing the the hassle in the second issue. But I I can't honestly recommend the first issue unless you really enjoy the second issue and want to go back and see how it started. But the second issue is definitely worth your money.
2: I think no. you've sold me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> now, Aaron. Sir. I, I, I had not – I didn't want to buy FF number 12 this week. Okay. But I did it anyway. Okay. Because you bought it, and I figured you'd want to talk about it.
2: Well, I I didn't want to buy FF number 12 this week, but I haven't actually pulled it off of my pull list yet, Uh and there was nothing else in the bag. So it would have been really awkward to put something back on the shelf like (laughs) I normally do when FF comes up when it was the only book in the bag.
4: So I bought it, too. I Uh, I have a question about FF 12. I didn't buy it, but did did I hear you guys read on the last podcast that it's continuing? Yes. Separate from Fantastic Four. That is correct. Well, and here's the thing. It ain't that separate. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, I'm just a little bit. But, but, uh, my, the numbering here is my, my yes. question. Uh, yeah,
2: yes. the, the oh, yeah, it's... I've ranted about that. I, okay. I don't All know right. if I ranted about it on the Lost episode or on a regular one, but <laughs> you, you cannot call that you know number 600 and keep going. Yeah. Would you yeah. keep the numbering of the other title? That's... One of them needs to drop. Yeah, they've double-dipped. but.
1: Uh... So I had a very strong reaction to this book. You know, I, I have been uh, used to the to the uh, the pencils, you know, in uh, FF one through eleven. Um, you know, with the exception of that three issue uh, that we had some issues with. Um, this is the 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 art style in this book is such a wild divergence from what we have had, and I was two pages in and I was ready to put it down. Uh, Because I just so strongly did not care for the artwork by uh, Juan Bobolo. I'm going to hope I pronounced it that right. Um, You didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I just strongly reacted. I I don't like the look of this. I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy can draw. Um, I just didn't think it fit the story. It was It was a jarring departure from what we've experienced and I, I just I wasn't prepared for it, but I pushed through because I do enjoy Jonathan Hickman so much. And by five pages into the book, I was sold. Um, and the artwork started working for me and, and it was it was the, the story pulled me through uh, to make to, to give me enough time to where I could I could accept the artwork. But man, I mean it is a wild departure from what we've seen on this book
3: it is but i feel that it fits i gotta be honest
1: Um, i do now i didn't you know because of of again my experience uh with the earlier books i just i wasn't ready for that just jarring shift you know i mean did you did you find it jarring paul yeah,
3: and I, and here's and here's a couple of things about that. I I feel like they should have started over with number one. Uh-huh. I also feel that if they had, they wouldn't have gotten the sales. That's why they're that's why they stuck it as FF number twelve because right. everyone who bought FF one through eleven will buy it. If you have a new FF number one, people are going to say, "Well, I've already buying Fantastic Four. I don't need to buy FF." Right. Um, so I think that's why they did it, but it is a very different. Even feeling book because yeah. you know up till now the the kids like Valeria and Franklin and Alex and all those kids have kind of just been a couple of pages in each issue right and they're the now, whole they, story yeah they are the book now right. um, and I feel the art suits that because it is focused on kids
1: I totally agree totally agree um I I I really enjoyed the writing in the book um. <laughs> One of the uh, the kids, Alex, I think, refers to you know you've got the the reads from the different universes that are around, and, and so one of them is in Latveria and has enslaved Doctor Doom and is you know working on on his uh, big plan, and so they they just keep referring to that read as jerk reed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, jerk reed says,
3: <laughs> I, I will give this to the art. <clears throat> it is the first time. I have ever been able to tell the difference between Alex and Franklin.
2: I agree. Yeah. Yeah, that's been a big pet peeve throughout the entire series until now. Well,
1: and I like that the kids actually look like kids. They don't look like just like little little adults. They yeah. actually look like children. Because I I, I got to be
3: honest, that was a jarring thing for me. And yeah. it was in the first couple of pages. I'm like, how young is Valeria? But Valeria really is young. Yes. Yeah. You know, they normally draw her like she's 12 years old.
1: Yeah, she, she's, she's almost drawn as a contemporary to Franklin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is she is significantly younger than Franklin, and you actually see that in this book. I mean, the, the, don't get me wrong, uh, you know, Juan Bobolo is uh, a very talented artist. I just wasn't ready for that. And, you know, I, I'm glad to say that on the other side of this book, I'm glad I picked it up. Uh, I'm on for number 13, and I thought the artwork really works.
3: Now, I don't know if I'm on for number 13.
2: I know I'm not. I thought the story was boring, and I really? absolutely don't like what they've done with Doom here. I think Doom should have – how easily earlier in the storyline Doom fell into this being enslaved thing really bothers me.
1: Uh, see, I I, I I, loved all the little elements like where uh, Valeria goes and, and gets the ultimate nullifier out of the wall.
3: I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, I dug it. I dug it.
3: I just – the problem for me is that I, I've read that – and on Twitter, Jonathan Hickman has said that the two books are basically kind of like for the next four, five, six months, whatever, are going to basically be like how Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps were right. during Blackest Night, that you're going to read one, then read the other, then read one, then read the other. They're going to basically be like one book, one weekly book um, for the next couple months, and I just – I don't know, and I mean that's essentially adding two books to my pull list.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I'm into Fantastic Four, and I'm into this, and and as long as the the quality remains high, I'm all over it.
3: Yeah, it, dep- it depends on the price point for me. Yeah. If they're two ninety nine books, I will more than likely go for it. If they're both three ninety nine, well, I think FF I believe-
1: is going to continue being two ninety nine. I think Fantastic Four, though, is a three ninety nine book.
3: Yeah, I got to think about it. Yeah. But I mean, I I do say I enjoyed it. I just I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That. But one book I did enjoy, Aaron?
1: Uh, well, well um, um, that was Shinku.
3: Yes. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and uh, since Jake Eekes has been suspiciously quiet, we will let Jake Eekes share his thoughts on Shinku number three. Actually, one through three.
4: I, I, I dug it. So so uh, Shinku was something I, I had kind of been planning to pick up, but since I, I don't make it out to the comic shop very regularly I hadn't hadn't gotten the chance to pick them up yet but um, thanks to uh, the review copies uh, I'm caught up now um, <laughs> uh, and, and now it will make it that much harder to not trade weight um, damn it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Heck, that old chestnut um, no I, I liked it um, I, I I first okay first props to the art oh my god the, this art is really amazing mm-hmm. like it's it's and it really is a book that's built for my artistic sensibilities. It's this beautiful like open line style, but they've got a lot. He's got a lot of really um, solid color work going on. And what what I kind of like about the color work is it's treated a bit more um, sort of watercolory, mm-hmm. which fits the the uh, setting of the book very well. Um, man, yeah, that art Whew. doing doing overtime. Um, yeah, and I
1: can't pronounce the guy's name who's doing the colors. It's uh, Michael. A TA but yeah. Yeah, Lee Motor is is uh, doing the art on the book, and then the colors are, are by this other fella. And I, the you're absolutely right. The the color I think really sets the tone in this book. And we had talked about that I think in issue two on you know, the, the the generous use of sepia and and whatnot that really uh, uh, you know gave you well, a sense of time and place.
4: Well, and and there's there's a lot of the way they the way that the colors shift over over the period of the comic. It, yeah. it's. It's something that that really doesn't get done a lot. Um, more often in the in the big two, it, it usually finds it it, this this is done better in in more indie books but like using color to help tell your story right because a lot of the big two books tend to be very local color and oh we're just gonna the grass is green the sky is blue that's just how it is but that's really not how it is and if you're wanting to tell a compelling narrative through visual imagery you you actually kind of do yourself a disservice by only ever thinking of color and what you know the standards would be right so yeah, but that's good. Um, the the story I'm digging it. The story I'm I'm I have a couple of small like niggles with, but the, those are all like they're such nitpicks. Like they, like the, the, the some of the basic plot is very similar, to, like the original Blade movie, mm-hmm. which bugs me slightly. And I'm feeling like we're getting a little less. Um, it, it's like we're missing a few character beats that I want. Um, and a few just, like, plot beats of explaining some some things. Right. But overall, because it's kind of, like, this fun, crazy action movie vibe, I'm not I'm not really worried about that too much. And and it's supposed to be an ongoing, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah. So, okay. And, and that's kind of – I'm giving it a pass because I'm like, if this was a miniseries, I would be really irritated by that. But mm-hmm. because it's intended as an ongoing, I'm like, well, a lot of this stuff – it, it it's more likely that this will be drawn out and addressed later. Um because in that first issue I was kind of I, it bugged me that the guy just kind of got on the motorcycle so quickly. It was like yes, I will totally go with this chick who cut off the head of this woman who was in front of me, <laughs> you know. That, that that bugged me a little bit, but, you know, as as it's uh progressed I, I I care about it less and less.
1: So. But she's hot Asian chick on a motorcycle. You have to get on that bike. <laughs> That's
4: true. I, I, don't don't get me wrong. There, there was compelling reason to go. <laughs> I have, reason, no doubt.
3: <laughs> I have one qualm with issue three of Shinku, um, and that was the delay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, just when the book was kind of getting ramped up, and I think the first issue either sold out or did really well, um, issue three was delayed. And, uh, you know... I'm fine because I can go back and you know, it's only two issues in, right? So reading issues one and two to get caught up, not a big deal. Um but I, I know it's gonna I, I think it'll probably hurt the sales if they continue with delays like that.
1: Yeah, and you know, and I can c I can forgive the delay on the book a little bit in that it's an independent book and that I know that uh, you know, Ron Mars and Lee Motor have their paying gigs, you know. Because uh, I, I know that the deal structure on this is such that you know they don't get paid till on down the line. Mm. Um, so I, you know I get that, but you're absolutely right. It, it makes it harder to maintain your your steam on yep. the book when there's such a break between
2: issue two and three. If you want people to buy the individual issues and you're afraid that it won't make it to the trade, then getting books out on time is really important because I know the f- the biggest thing that will lead me to wait for the trade versus buying individually, is a consistently late book. You know, if I'm going months between issues on a regularly monthly title, there's a good chance I'm going to decide to wait for the trade that may or may not even happen. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think, that, I think
1: this is a fantastic book, and I agree with you, Paul, that uh, you know the wait was a little hard. I think one of my favorite things from the book is that first page where you know you've got this very dramatic pose of you know the big bad guy Asano, mm-hmm. and it looks like he's doing something violent. You know. And oh that, yeah, that first pan on you're like, oh god, what's what the hell is he doing? Is is he you know stabbing some guy? What is that? And then you see that he's you know raking the the sand garden, you know, mm-hmm. and he's just he doesn't have that that Zen tranquility <laughs> as he's raking. He's you know pissed off, and it's it's just such a neat scene.
3: Yeah, I enjoy it. And, I mean, it Was definitely worth the wait, and the wait wasn't that bad. It wasn't that much of a delay. It was a yeah, noticeable delay.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't an Ultimate Comics, uh, you know, Wolverine versus the Hulk. Uh, you know, or, razzle.
3: I mean, <laughs> or Razzle, or Razzle. Yeah, Razzle. I mean, that book. I, I that is a book that I couldn't deal with the weight on. And this is, you know, this is. I I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah. No, I I I I love Shinku. 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 Uh, I need more.
3: <laughs> so, finally, finally, end of the show, we can ask the question: Who is Jake Egis? or Ellis? I mean. <laughs> 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 So we we had to, had to talk about the Who is Jake Ellis trade paperback, now that Jake's on the show. Yay! Uh, written by Nate Edmondson. Um, oh, I don't remember the artist off the top of my head. But Nate Edmondson is also currently writing the Grifter series from DC's New 52. But uh, so, well, I guess I'll ask Aaron. Aaron, did you read the Jake Ellis trade paperback? I did. What'd you think?
1: I really like it. Uh, I, hadn't read it, I hadn't read it in floppy. I read it in trade, and uh, I, I love the feeling to it. I love the artwork in the book. Um, I think that the, uh, the, the story kind of really scratches me where I itch. I, I dug it. I like this book.
3: I, I, I'm going to talk about the art since shakes on the show, and he's going to talk about the art. Uh-huh. Um, it, similar to Shinku, the art just really portrays the action so well. Because it's you know it's kind of this action-packed book and just the the way the the art tells the action pieces, I thought was probably one of the most one of the strongest pieces of the book.
4: I, I agree. I oh damn, this book was so far up my alley. I can't even <laughs> tell you. There there, there 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 was nothing I didn't love about this book. Um, the, the art was just superb. I, I love that 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 kind of spy movie vibe for the mm-hmm. whole thing. Ah. Oh. It was it was just X. Ex- Is this it, okay? So I, I looked at it and it and on like the the solicits for the the trade. It says Volume One. Is this going more? Are we getting more? Like, uh, I think it's going. I think there will be another mini series, but it's not an
3: ongoing series.
4: Okay, okay, but that's fine. Uh, that, that, that that because that was my immediate like. Once I got to the end, I was like, so there's more, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to the end. I'm like, damn it, really? That's how it ends though well, well, no, that's the thing because like it ends where it's like, it's like, okay, I can totally see this as an ending, but this is an ending that is left precariously open for you know further exploration here. It felt like the first like if it were a movie, it felt like the first movie of a trilogy.
1: And, you know, it was planned that way. the The setup in the story is that you know you've got this guy who uh, you, when you initially meet him, he's having a meeting in Barcelona, Spain. And seems to be, you know, all the words coming out of his mouth seems to be non sequiturs. You know, they don't really pertain to the conversation that's going on. And so you have, you know, a couple of pages of this action, and shit all starts happening: explosions, jumping over the rail, etc. And then it pans back 15 seconds ago, and then you see that there is an additional character at the table. You know, standing off to the side and, you know, you're given to believe that this is his imaginary friend giving him direction. And so all of these comments that you saw in the first couple of pages were actually the part that everybody else could hear of his conversation with Jake Ellis.
4: Yeah, it was so good. I thought Mm -hmm. it
1: was so nicely done. Mm hmm. I thought it was so I mean I was like, and, and you know, so many times. I, I, and I had to make this comparison because you know, comics are a medium unto themselves. But I can see this as a movie. I could. You know? it,
3: it, it, I, I would say anyone who likes like the Jason Bourne movies uh-huh. would love this book.
1: Absolutely.
4: Yeah, if, if you're into like spy and like intrigue films at all, this is that's why i said like this book was so far up my alley because i like there's there's so few comics that are a in this genre right. and even fewer that do it well yeah and and this is both and so i'm, I'm just ah I, I cannot sing the praises of this book enough
1: yeah yeah awesome book I, I i can't wait to to read the next one
4: yeah and, and i and i will say like the, as you said aaron you know you that has that movie feel and you don't want to like diminish comics as their own. It's, it's like a movie in all of the best ways. It's it's not, it's not a comic that wishes it were a movie. It it is very, you know, like, like that, that whole scene with, um, like you said, that opening scene in Barcelona is really a scene that, that works best in a comic format. Sure. I think, I don't think that scene would work nearly as strongly in a film because of just kind of, I just don't think a film would capture it. Well, yeah, but by that same token what the comic does that that movies tend to do better is is it gives you that that visceral immediacy to the action right and it's something that you that that a large part of it is heaped upon the artist because that kind of action with that sort of progression and immediacy really only gets seen by people who are just super solid storytellers like you only see that in like the heyday of like Frank Miller when he was doing Daredevil and mm-hmm. you know books like that where you're translating a frenetic action scene clearly to your to your reader and that's really difficult to do so yeah
1: yeah the the scenes in the uh in the church that he he ditches into oh yeah you know i i really thought for sure because he he needed clothes i was like oh so he's going to go around as a priest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he he had to go down the street to uh, to you know rip off uh, you know the, the men's warehouse a la the coyote. <laughs> so yeah, I, I again, I highly recommend this book. I went into this book with absolutely no expectations. I I really didn't know much about it at all, and uh, I I just wow, it's so rare that I get to do that that I don't know you know what the story's going to be. And uh, it, it was nice coming into something so fresh, and then having such a positive experience.
4: Well, and I and I like that the the world is set up just enough to give you kind of hints of where they could go in the future, but it doesn't it doesn't spell everything out. You know, there, it leaves a lot of room for a for you to kind of fill in gaps, but also a lot of room for them to expand in the future, and you know. Yeah. Really flesh this out a lot.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's great stuff, and I, you know, the 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 uh, the artist on the book, and you know, I was looking at my copy, and I can't find the artist.
4: Uh, Tansi, whatever. I don't know how to pronounce say it five that. times fast. Uh, man, I could even say it once. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't,
1: I can't, I can't Tansi uh, Zonjik, almost Zonjik? looks like a Serbian name, maybe.
3: That might be it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But yeah. I, you know uh, the the Frank Miller Daredevil
1: reference. Uh-huh. Good mm-hmm. reference. Cuz I, well, uh, you know,
3: I could see the David Methcelli. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh, yeah. in the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh Paul in uh, FF number 12, did you mm-hmm. see that uh, the advertisement with Spidey meets the devil? I did not okay. cuz I read it digitally. Oh okay. Well, there is there is a big two-page ad um Featuring the January team-up between Spider-Man and Daredevil. And it has Amazing Spider-Man, number 77, and Daredevil, number 8. Spidey meets the devil. And it has the black cat there as well. And it says the next great love triangle starts here.
3: Well, I, Spidey's single now, so well, maybe he's trying to
1: get well, back with the black cat. And Daredevil's single. And then you've got the black cat. I think what we're going to see here is the Daredevil's three-way.
3: <laughs> I am, uh, I'm I'm hoping not. Well, I don't. It depends on who draws it. Is it going to be in a tub of milk?
1: I think that it, I think it's probably going to be a uh, Umberto Ramos uh, issue. So you'll have some really strange positioning going. Yeah, I but Wayne'll hate it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as Wayne hates it, you know that means it's going to be good, right?
3: I I think so. Well. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to thank Jake for joining us this week. Oh, thanks for having me. Always well, fun. Oh, Thank you, Jake. Damn it. I forgot. Hmm. Jake Eekes. Son of a bitch. What? What? Aaron, what's on the last page of FF number 12?
4: Oh, is it? Is
3: it, uh, it is a Stargate.
4: Sweet. Yes, true. <laughs> I love that that is like continually ruining y'all's day. <laughs> I can't tell you. Every time it comes up, I get a little kick. <laughs> Oh, yeah,
3: Stargate. yeah I I
1: literally <laughs> turned that page and went fucking Jake Ecas <laughs> 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 Or Jerk Ecas as I like to call him. <laughs> Indeed.
4: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? That's right. Well hey, well, thanks thank- for coming out, Jake. Again, thanks for having me. It was it, it's always fun. Always a pleasure. Alright, guys.
1: Well, um, if you haven't listened to it yet, uh, download the Raven Gregory interview that uh, that Paul released this week. It's just fantastic. It cracks me up. And bonus feature, we read the tweets of Raven Gregory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so be sure and check that out. Uh, also coming soon, uh, if it hasn't dropped already, it will drop in the next uh, few days when you uh, listen to this episode, is Knights of Rainsboro, issue 11. Yes, I know. I said it would go on the weekend. Get over it. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> it's all about editing. Anyway, so uh, you, a couple of things hitting the, uh, the uh, feed. Also, in the month of December, we will be releasing our Fear the Con 4 actual play. So uh, coming up, you have got uh, my zombie game and A Little Child Shall Eat Them, as well as my Day After Ragnarok game, Shipwrecked on Monster Island. Both of those will be releasing this month.
3: Both of those are awesome, by the way. Well,
1: thank you, Paul.
2: I haven't listened to either of them. Because they haven't released yet, Wayne.
3: But you will in in the month of December.
2: <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a bunch.
3: Thanks, everybody.
1: Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.